channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy sponsored by SAGE, supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. I'm at class with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and today's show, we're going to be talking about pricing on purpose. But before we get to that, Ron, uh, I don't know about you, but my head is still swimming from last week's interview with George Gilder, so... <laughs> it was great. What can I say? Yeah, yeah. And it, so, just for those of you who who uh, are listening in, if uh, you're just starting to listen to this show, and especially if you're doing this after the fact and listening in archive, we recommend that you go back and listen to the Gilder Show twice, and then come and listen to this one. It, <laughs> it <was Yeah>. good. <laughs> and then pretty, read pretty anything. Re- read all of his books twice. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But today we're going to talk about some stuff that's right in our wheelhouse, Ron. And I'm, I'm, I'm surprised when we were looking over the show archives on this and saying, okay, well, what, what do we got for some topics and stuff? And the, the, the subject of pricing came up. I mean, that, that's where we cut our teeth. I mean, you certainly have, have been a, a member of the value pricing movement, whatever you want to call it, for over a decade. And we really haven't done that much about pricing. Yeah, no, we really haven't. We did. I know we talked about price discrimination, and we've circled the ethics of it, and uh, we've talked about the first and second laws of pricing, but haven't got into some of the more detailed things. So I'm really looking forward to this show. This will be great. Yeah, no, I agree, and I it just 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 found it interesting that we kind of left it off. But you're right, we had we had nipped at the heels of it, and all the all around, and we did do uh, some 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 shows on pricing specifically, but. As opposed to our wheelhouse, now that we've kind of left open, so <laughs> and we've certainly had some good guests. Uh, correct, on, on, like Rory Sutherland and Tim Williams and Dan Morris and things like that. So we we've hit the topic, but but uh, it's just Ed because we have so much to say on it. Like every, <laughs> you know, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know some of our folks are who's listen say yeah they've got a lot of say on everything. Don't, don't <laughs> bring up the topic. Well, well, throw. I'll let you pick what what aspect of pricing on purpose. And first of all, let's just mention that Ron does have a book out, uh, pricing on purpose. One of the seven books or that you, you're uh, the author on, uh, creating and capturing value. And it's a it, terrific book, Ron. I, I really enjoy pricing on purpose, and uh, not that I do not enjoy most of your books, but I, uh, because I guess of my interest in pricing as well, pricing and purpose holds a special place in my heart. 
Yeah, mine too, Ed. It's kind of my magnum opus on pricing. I mean, it's everything I wanted to put out there for any type of business, not just, you know, the professional firms where, you know, we do most of our work. But I wanted this book to be the type of book where a professional firm partner could hand it to a customer and say, read this, and then let's have a discussion about your business's pricing, whatever that business might be. So that was kind of the intent behind it. And uh, 2006 copyright on the book, and you certainly can get it on Amazon. We'll make sure to include it in the show notes. But, Ron, what do you want to talk about? What aspect of this pricing on purpose piece would you like to jump in and start talk about first? Well, you know, every time somebody talks about uh, value pricing, you know, <clears throat> people bring up the, the concept of demand elasticity. It's, you know, it's one of those things you learn in your high school microeconomics course. But what's really more important from a pricing standpoint, because demand elasticity is just a design to show you what the revenue effect is for different changes in pricing, right? So if a gas station raises its price, its, it's, it's revenue is probably going to go up because the mm-hmm. demand for gas is so inelastic, right? As opposed to Farmer John raising the price of a bale of hay, which is, you know, there's a lot of substitutes for it. And his, his revenue would probably go down with mm-hmm. a substantial price increase. But really, when you get into the details of pricing, you really find that it's really all about price sensitivity that is one of the best predictors of whether or not a customer is going to pay your price, and so in, in the book by uh, Reed Holden and Tom Nagel, The Strategy and Tactics of Pricing, uh, and we've also had Reed Holden on, by the way, too. So just <laughs> yeah. so we have covered pricing and, and uh, Bob Cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, just w- wanted to throw that out there. But they lay out uh, 10 factors of, of uh, price sensitivity that I would like to go through. I mean, we, we've both used these in our, in our courses on pricing. And I think it's a really good analysis for firms to go through when they're analyzing uh, pricing a customer or pricing an engagement. You really do have to think about the customer's level of price sensitivity. Absolutely. But, you know, before we get back, and I want to be sensitive as we're talking about price sensitivity, uh, so no pun intended there, to, to folks who may have come in and listened to this show and not ha- know about our background and what we talk about. So there's, I want you to just quick uh, define two things. One, value pricing from the get-go. So if the brand new listener to the show don't know what you're talking about, hey, Ron, what's this value pricing you just mentioned? Well, to me, value pricing is setting a price commensurate with the value that you're charging or or the value that you're creating, sorry, before the work is done. And and that's a key point. I mean, most businesses price up front, so it's it's, it's usually not an issue, right? Toyota manufactures the car before you buy it. Uh, and even if they manufacture it customized for you, you still know the price before they started to build it. But in professional firms, that's usually not the case. If you bill by the hour, they're sending you the price afterwards, after they've done the work. So um, I think you know value pricing has got to be commensurate with the value that you're creating. Well, and I think that's a, the, the important point there is that the word price is always meant in the context of it happens beforehand, whereas a bill happens after the fact, right? You get yes. and, and the analogy I always use is you go to a restaurant and you know the price of your meal, but then you do get a bill at the end. You still knew the price up front, and you're right. And, you know what the problem with professional firms is that they do the pricing in arrears. Really, it's not really pricing; it's billing, and that is the problem. And then, of course, the second aspect of it is that. 
uh, when you say setting a price commensurate with your value, the way I spin that is to say a, a, pri- a price in which you take the value to the customer as the primary but not sole determining input into the price. And right. and when we say primary, what we mean is is that, okay, that has the greatest amount of influence. However, there are lots of things that have influence as well, and I think these 10 factors affecting that price sensitivity is one. So the next thing I want you to say is, okay, well, what is price sensitivity? That's the, just the, the basic definition. Before we talk about the 10 factors affecting it, what is price sensitivity? Yeah, and, and I guess there's lots of ways to to explain that. I mean, price sensitivity is 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 very contextual, right? It goes kind of goes back to our first two laws of pricing: all value is subjective, and all prices are contextual. So we like the uh, example of the water uh, in the desert, right? Which would be practically priceless. You'd pay almost infinite for it, as opposed to say w- the same quantity of water washing your dog. It's going to have a lot less value, a lot less willingness to pay. Um, but there's other ways to think about sensitivity too. I mean, if you were going out for a romantic, you know, twentieth uh, wedding anniversary dinner with your spouse probably wouldn't be a good idea to bring a two for one coupon, right? I mean Unless your spouse you, is also into that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you're gonna be less price sensitive in, in in that situation as opposed to say going out with a buddy, you know, or something like that or a group of friends. So it it, it really price sensitivity kind of makes you look at context. You know, it kind of makes you think of things from the customer side. What are all the factors that they are looking at and how important is this decision in their lives and that's going to be you know a, a real driver of whether or not they're going to be more or less price sensitive right so what's the first one run what's the first first factor affecting price sensitivity well the first factor is the perceived substitutes effect so what else is out there that i could buy that would satisfy this want need or the job i'm trying to perform Right. So what other things are out there? And, and of course, this is where branding can have a big effect because, you know, if you're loyal to a particular brand, then you're going to pay a lot less attention to the substitutes. Like you fly American, I fly United. We're pretty brand loyal and unless our airlines don't happen to fly where we need to go. Uh, but I don't even look at substitutes at I, I rarely ever go on. The websites that show you all the airlines, I just go right to my airline's website. Right, because you want the points. I, I want the points, but also there is a loyalty there, believe it or not. It's it's beyond the points. It's it's that they've earned my loyalty. Now that is because I've earned a lot of points, but but they've earned my loyalty by doing value added things for me. Right, kick, kicking you up to first class occasionally, or you know that kind of thing, giving you access to the club, whatever it is. Exactly. And, you know, a famous example, even though it's a little dated, but they still make this product is, is Woolite. You know, Woolite doesn't want you to compare the substitute to Woolite isn't a box of Tide or other type of laundry detergent. It's dry cleaning. And therefore, if you can frame it in the consumer's mind, what they're comparing your product to, you may be able to drive a wider band of price. So the the point is is that when Unilever or whoever it is owns Woolite or maybe Woolite's a separate brand I don't even know I haven't haven't checked that out in quite some time uh, it, it they are when they set the price they are not going to set it commiserate with other laundry detergents right because right. they have they they have already set you up for hey the comparison is dry cleaning 
Exactly. So they can command a higher price. Sometimes this is referred to as a zone of indifference, this, this price range. You know, we all know that customers walk around with a range of acceptable prices that they're willing to pay, right, for things. I mean, you think about a, buying a Coke in different contexts, whether you're at a restaurant, a bar, at a, at a vending machine outside or, you know, if you're in a Costco or your, your regular grocery store, you're going to pay a radically different price for that Coke. And that's kind of the zone of indifference. As long as the context makes sense to you, you're willing to pay that price. So to some extent, marketers and pricers can influence what the customer is perceiving as your substitute. Right. And my, the, the, the second one, let's move on to the second one before our, our first break here. But, and I, this is one of my favorites, the, what's called the unique value effect. And, and this is, again, it's, this has to do with market positioning, which is why uh, marketing and the work that Tim Williams and, and other marketers do in, in, in setting position are so crucially important. You know, and my favorite example of, of a unique value effect, again, an older brand, but to a certain extent, they have, they continue to leverage this is Heinz ketchup. <laughs> right where yes. the, the, you know they they leverage the fact that it took longer to get their product out of the bottle it was thicker therefore it was better right <laughs> i even remember the what was the it was a carly simon song anticipation right, right. Anticipation. yeah that yeah, yeah no, no, i know she sold out and went commercial but yeah no absolutely and and but there is a secret by the way i don't know if you're aware of the secret my wife is from pittsburgh her Family is from Pittsburgh, so Heinz obviously very big, big in the Pittsburgh area. But there is the the trick to getting the ketchup out of the Heinz bottle a little bit faster, and that is you don't hit the bottom of the bottle. Everybody makes the mistake of you hit the neck, right? Yeah, no, yeah, no. Well, you, yeah, you you actually you hold it at a forty five degree angle, and mm-hmm. then you pound on on by on the side the, the where the fifty seven is on the bottle. Ah, uh, okay, right? okay. So. And what that does is it, it, it causes a, a you know the air pressure to differentiate and the, the flow to increase. But or you know you can just remember the song when you were a kid and think anticipation as you're pouring it out and you know everything is good. So I did have a I did have a boss very strangely enough, which is in alignment with this, who would only use new ketchup. <laughs> yeah, well, he was he, he had to hear the pop, or right. otherwise he wouldn't use the ketchup. Well, you know, if you read one of Malcolm Gladwell's book, I forget which one, but he talks about why is there only one ketchup, but there's four million types of mustards. And it it was absolutely fascinating. Mm. Something about our palates and we don't we don't like different types of ketchup. We we expect that one type of taste with a ketchup. But Mm. with mustard, we're okay trying different types. Interesting. Yeah, had not read that section. Pretty, pretty cool. All right. Well, we are already powered through our first segment here, so we're we're happy to have you on board here at the Soul of Enterprise. Want to remind you that you can get a hold of us at hashtag AskTSOE. That's our hashtag that we're using on Twitter. Of course, uh, you can also send us an email at AskTSOE at VerisAge.com. Visit our website at TheSoulOfEnterprise.com where we post all of our show notes and previews, and you can also listen to the show in archive format there or on Voice America. But right now, we are ready to hear from our first sponsor, and that is our friends, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You've experienced it. 
Marketing and selling has changed dramatically in the last few years. The search engine has completely altered the way customers buy. Your clients are now driving the process their way. At Leading Results, we know how to work with this. We don't just jump in and start doing. Together, we plan your marketing strategy. Install a website that gets results and create lead generation programs that drive sales. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more and to schedule a 30-minute conversation with us. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. And again, as Ed said, we'd like to remind you, if you want to email me or Ed, you can do so at asktsoe at verisage.com. We continue to get your email. Some of you are sending sending us some great ideas for uh, future shows. So shout out to uh, Hector on that, who who sent us a couple good uh, book ideas uh, inspired by a couple book uh, uh, books we reviewed in the prior shows. Uh, and folks, today we're doing pricing on purpose, and we've been talking about price sensitivity. And we're specifically going through 10 factors of price sensitivity that the pricers in your company should think about with respect to your customers. And we've already talked about perceived substitutes, and uh, we've talked about unique value effect. And of course, Ed, how could we not say Apple when it comes to unique value? Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, we talked about Heinz ketchup, but uh, Apple certainly. And also, too, I think uh, eBay auctions you know, hmm. would fit in here for rare, you know, products that you just, there might, might not be many of them out there. So th- those definitely have unique value and that's certainly going to make you less price sensitive. Absolutely. Yep. Good stuff. So the third one is switching costs. Now this is something I think that is really relevant in your world because if you have high switching costs like you would with software, because look how much time I spent, you know, mm-hmm. learning it and upgrading it and maintaining it and all of that, then you're going to be much less price sensitive. Um, and, and so competing offers aren't going to aren't going to be very effective at enticing you if you have high switching costs. You know, it is fascinating about this one, Ron. And yes, software is this is huge, especially in the business that Sage is in, which is mid-market accounting. But I will say that that of the ten factors that in 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 the right area of leverage, th- this one this one has huge impact. I, there may not be a more important factor affecting price sensitivity than switching costs in the right in the right uh, right place. So what is it? Archimedes said, if you give me a lever big enough, I can move the world. Right. It, it might be switching costs in the right area. And let me give you an example of this that I think affects every single one of us. You, how much you pay for how, what a dollar, sometimes $2 for an app on your iPhone. 
Yes. Right. But how? But have you ever dithered oh. over over that one dollar purchase? I mean, absolutely. Like- <laughs> yeah, and it's crazy when you you know we'll drop five bucks in a Starbucks without blinking. Right. And, but and I think that 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 in that entire thing has to do with switching costs. Mm-hmm. Right. That because it's it is it is not even close to the price of the app, right? It's a buck. It's ninety nine cents, whatever. But it's yep. the fact. Oh, do I really want to invest in in learning this particular aspect? Let's say it's a to do application on your on your uh, phone, right? right? And you hey, I just don't know, right? Now they've even tried to remove that by you know making a lot of these apps free to try, which I think helps to a certain extent. But even that doesn't completely remove it because it again it has absolutely nothing to do with price, which leads me to believe that these guys are leaving money on the table and that what they really should do is they should be charging like you know. Two bucks or three bucks or four bucks for the app, <laughs> right? And, and, and you know, maybe at a more extreme level, Ed. But I even think about this. I mean, if if Boeing or Airbus is selling to an airline, and they happen to know that that airline only carries and only flies their particular plane, like they're all Airbus, they're all Boeing, like Southwest is all Boeing, right? Yeah, seven thirty sevens for specific models. Even they're they're going to be less price sensitive because they know they're not going to go buy an Airbus. Because they would, you know, they have to carry the inventory and have uh, certified mechanics and pilots and all that. Switching costs are just enormous at that point, and and that gives Boeing a little bit more room, I think, with respect to pricing those airlines. Do you think that factors into airline mergers? Like when they get together, like, eh, what does your fleet have? What does our fleet have? I mean, it's got got to somewhere. It, it's got to, line, right? Yeah, I and and you know, even a mundane example like Amazon. At Amazon, my switching costs would be way too high to go buy a book off Barnes and Noble. I mean, I can one click. They have all my information. They recommend books. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all. I mean, it's it's just enormous. And then you start thinking about any service that's got a pronoun attached to it. You know, like my doctor, my lawyer, my accountant, my veterinarian. The oh, switching right. costs are are incredibly high with respect to these providers. So yeah. I'm going to be less price sensitive with respect. To, to my veterinarian, for example. My dog loves my vet. I <laughs> love my vet. Actually, he's a really go. cool guy. But, <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to leave him, even though he's not the cheapest vet in town. I know there's cheaper providers out there. Right. But it's not about the vet. I, I'm not I, I we do not have pets, but uh, I've got some allergies. But uh, also, I just don't want the, the cleanup. But I will say I will say this. I've heard people say, I, you know, I wish my vet would would see me as a patient. I've heard a lot of people say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of them are just great. They really are. You think they have to have a bedside banner with the with the pet and the person, you know, the owner. <laughs> exactly. 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 Well, number four on the list is a difficult comparison. Comparison effect, right? And this, of course, the classic example of this, although I think it's getting a little bit less frequent, is is cell phone plans, right? Uh, you don't think it's by accident that you know the AT and T has a four hundred minute plan, and you know somebody else has a the uh, has a three hundred and Verizon has a three hundred and fifty minute plan, right? This right. is this, I mean, this is, I guess, in a way, another way to describe this is what price obfuscation, right, Ron? Correct. Yep, absolutely. This is deliberate strategy. And I, they're still doing it, Ed, aren't they? And you get rollover minutes, and now you have the you know, how much uh, mem- you know download uh, 
you know, can you have per month and all of that? The download is now the big one because so many of them are now unlimited minutes that that I don't think that there's any, any, uh, anything to do on that. But yeah, now data has become the more important issue that they're all, all uh, around. So, and and think about that, Ed, they had to reeducate the customer on that because our frame of mind has always been minutes, right? With respect. And now they're, they've actually taught us, no, no, you got to pay attention to this too. And I give them credit for that. It was hard. That was really hard because really that, 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 that's a framing effect thing, too, as you said, right? Because we, we, they wanted to move, move away from the whole minute thing uh, and move to the, the download. But your perception of download is based on how you bought it from your cable company for your home, which was unlimited at a price. Right. right. So now they're changing, changing the, what, what you're comparing it to. So I think they've been fairly successful at it. Yeah, no, I think they have too. So, and you see this with stockbrokers too. They, you know, they have different ways to price. Is it the number of shares you're buying or the total value of your transaction? I mean, these are all deliberate things. So you, it's, it makes it more difficult to compare one offering to another. You know, as they say, you're comparing apples and aardvarks, right? Not <laughs> apples to apples. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. The fifth factor is the price quality effect, and th- this is where you you get into that, you know high prices send a signal of, of high quality. You know, you, you don't buy cheap lobster, right? We're very suspicious of cheap lobster as much Underwear. as underwear. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or gas station sushi, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Rolls Royce customers, you know, most of the time don't even ask only 15% of Rolls Royce customers. I found this fascinating. Uh, only 15% of their customers even ask about the price. <laughs> you're buying a Rolls Royce, of course. <laughs> and my, you know, my grandfather said, if you have to ask, you can't afford it, right? Absolutely. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But one of my favorite examples in this price quality effect was the, uh, this manufacturer of a car wax. And I don't know if it was turtle wax and it was rebranded as something else, but it was really cheap. It was like five, seven bucks a can. This is back in the eighties or nineties. And, and it, it didn't sell at all. And what they did was they increased the price to 25 bucks and it started flying off the shelf. And the, the logic is, well, hey, if I've got an $80,000 BMW or Mercedes, I'm not going to wax it with a $5 wax. If I have a $300,000 BMW, I'm not waxing it, period. I well, hire somebody yeah, to do exactly. it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> that, that too. But, but you know what I mean? That high, that high price does tempt us. It does yes. the, an absolute signal that, that you know, this is quality. And you're not going to be disappointed. And and you know all of these these factors, Ron, don't they? They intermingle with one another because certainly a price quality effect is also can be used for anchoring or framing as well. Absolutely. And and the other fascinating thing about them is they're all interdependent. <laughs> you know, they're they're really interdependent, and you've got to really think about them strategically, not not just tactically, because they're contextual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which which is a lead into what we hope to get the, at the end of the show, which is to talk about centralizing pricing. While we think that that's that's critically important, but so so keep keep some of these factors in mind as we move through the show here, because that the, the, this is, is a really a critical piece. the The sixth one is expenditure effect. Now, th- this one's a little wacky. I mean, this is th- this may be the easiest way to explain this is what you know when a business buys something versus when an individual buys something. And I have to admit, I feel a little bit uncomfortable about this because. 
you and I, Ron, we like to talk about there's no such thing as, you know, B to B or B to C or it's, it's people to people. It's people to people. Yes. Right. But there is still, I guess it's, it has to, it has to be the, it's the context with which the person is buying. Right. And your example that you usually use is paper clips, right? You, the businesses don't, aren't, aren't really all that concerned about the price of paper clips. <laughs> well, you, you know, businesses look at the, the total spend, whereas households look at a spend relative to percentage of income. So if you're buying paper clips for your household, it, it's a small purchase, right? It's an almost an impulse purchase. You might even splurge and get the colored ones. Yeah. But if you're, you know, a censure, and you're buying, you know, maybe a million dollars worth of paper clips. Literally, you're not looking at so much the percentage of the the spend relative to Accenture's gross revenue. You're looking at that million dollars. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be a lot more price sensitive. And I do think, Ed, you know, for as much as we say P to P over B, B to C or B to B or whatever, this is one of the valid distinctions between selling to consumers versus selling to business. If you're selling to consumers, they're going to frame the, they're going to look at the, the expenditures relative to their income, their family's income. But if you're selling to a business, they're going to look at the total price. And over a longer period of time too, right? Yes, that too. Absolutely. And, and, and I mean, is all, expenditure effect also, does that also take into account, say, whether you can capitalize it or not? Yep, it certainly could. Absolutely. Or you, whether you're capitalizing it or expensing it, you know, isn't one of that isn't isn't that a big issue in software? You know, can we expense this versus capitalizing it? It is, and this is one of the the stories that I've often told about fixed price agreements when we moved to them in my organization. Is that we, we what we would do is we would effectively with the customer agree to what the price was. <laughs> And then uh, we would have a conversation that went something like this, and this was really weird. It's like, okay, we, now that we've agreed to say, and I'm just making up the number, $40,000 engagement, right, um, and included software, and it was just one price. I, I would say, okay, well, what do, you, what do you want on your invoice for the software? Because I still had to transfer the license. Right, right. right? So and now that's going away with subscription pricing and all that, but – we we actually had to transfer the license to somebody else. So I had to, to, to we had to what and what do you want? And I would put I would put anything from like seventy five percent of list price to one hundred and twenty, depending. Because I but I wouldn't go much over that because you know you have sales tax you got to worry about and then and and also just for, quite frankly you know competition and and all that. But it, what what was bizarre is when I would have the conversation with my software publisher at the time. I would go back to them and you know they would say, well you know how much discount did you have to give them? And I'm like, well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we actually charged them 125% a list price because they wanted to maximize the software purchase because they wanted to expense it. And they're like, what? Yeah, yeah, duh, for sure. Well, Ed, this is great. This is just flying by. But, folks, we are up against it for our next break. So, uh, again, we'd like to remind you, you can visit us at thesoulofenterprise.com. We will post full show notes on this show and, and list out these uh 10 factors of price sensitivity for you. But now we want to hear from our sponsors, Azamba. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What if you could close more business with less effort and do it faster? 
What could your people accomplish if they had their own personal assistant keeping track of meetings and reminding them of follow-ups? What would it mean to have a perfect view of what your team and your prospects and your customers are doing? What if you could run your business from anywhere? You can have it all. Visit www.azamba.com forward slash soul today to find out how. That's Azamba, A-Z-A-M-B-A dot com forward slash soul. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back to The Soul of Enterprise, and we're talking today about pricing on purpose. We've been dealing with the 10 factors affecting price sensitivity. And, but before we talk about the seventh one, which is the end benefit effect, I just want to remind you that you can visit our website at thesoulofenterprise.com and see all of our show notes and previews. Also want to remind you that thesoulofenterprise.com slash iTunes will bring you to our iTunes page where you can subscribe to the show, and we are, would love for you to review it on iTunes, post a rating, and as well as type in a review. We want to keep those coming. And of course, if you uh, review our book, The Soul of Enterprise, on Amazon, that would be much appreciated as well. We can't thank you enough for doing that, and it really helps us. So uh, thanks so much. So let's talk about end benefit effect, Ron. The seventh in the list. So this is this is what what is as when you're selling to someone, what are they going to use? Whatever it is they're buying for you in the end. And I guess the the uh, the example that I love using here is that is steel uh, or General Motors versus Tumi. You know when Tumi puts the, <laughs> the puts their little logo on the on the little piece of metal there. I'm thinking Tumi probably pays more for steel or sheet metal, whatever it is, than. GM does just can, just going on on online there and saying that. Yep, yep. You can bet on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and in this even though this seems close to unique value effect, it's a little bit different because it forces you to think about the end benefit to the customer, right? I mean, one of the things Disney loves to do in its marketing is talk about you know we're we're creating happy memories for mm-hmm. families. Well, right. <laughs> That's priceless. I mean, you know, you think of yourself 30 years and you're looking back at these pictures with your kids, with Goofy and Mickey and all. I mean, that, how do you put a price on that? And, and one of my favorite examples of this, Ed, and I think it's still one of the best ads ever, and you see it sometimes. I still think they have this out there, like entire stores, is the little baby sitting oh, in yeah. the, the Michelin tire. I mean, mm-hmm. the, you know, there's so much more riding on your tires. That, that is a clear communication of the end benefit effect. We're keeping your family safe. How can you buy the cheapest tire looking at that ad? 
Yep. I knew a guy who worked at Discount Tire would even say, say, you know, our most expensive tires are Michelin. They're the best selling, and it's because because everybody walks in that went, went, people who buy Michelin, they all got kids. Every single one of them, <laughs> you know. So and, and just you know, a fantastic you, ad. And when you talk to the tire guys, I don't understand this, but technically, they're not the best tire. You know, there's better tires out there that will last longer, but you know what? They've got the best marketing and they have an enormous price point premium, like 30 to 40% mm-hmm. uh, higher price point. And I think it's because they do such a great job communicating their value and they do it based on that end benefit effect. And I, I just want uh, just a quick side note here, just a great example of an ad that has, that in and of itself has created so much value for that brand. Right, which is just a terrific example of how marketing actually can create value in and of itself, not just your product, but actual marketing of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the advertising agencies that come up with ideas like that and and put out those things can help their their customers, you know, achieve pricing power. Uh, you know, <laughs> which is one of the ironies of life is then they go back and and bill their customers by the hour. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the the other one that's in in there, and I was just thinking about this the other day, is the you know like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. There, I mean, Barry Manilow wrote that. I don't know if you're aware of that. Oh, right? I was not. Barry no. Manilow no. wrote wrote that no. jingle. I mean, they've no. been using it for forty years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or you're in good hands. You know, with all state is another good one. Yeah, now they get this. You know, the the nets behind the the uh, the goal post at the at the football stadiums. Have you seen that? Yeah. Where they when they kick the ball into the yep. good hands, uh, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that is, yeah. So the the eighth factor, folks, is the shared cost effect, and then we have talked about this. I forget which show, but the four ways to spend money. Right. right? You can spend your own money on yourself. You can spend your own money on on someone else, like a gift for your spouse or child or whatever. But you can also spend uh, someone else's money on yourself, or you can spend someone else's money on yet someone else. Yep, and yep. that's what this factor forces you to look at. And so the classic example, of course, is airline pricing. The people sitting in the front of the plane probably could chance they're not paying their own airfare. Um, or even if they are, they're less price sensitive if they want to sit in the front of the plane. But because the airlines know those people are on expense accounts. They can charge much higher prices, and and you know it's tax deductible and all of that. And tax deductible plays into this shared cost effect too, because if you can deduct the purchase, uh, then people are going to be less price sensitive as well. Right. So all of those things then that, that for travel, so hotel rooms clearly are there's there's a factor of shared cost effect in there. And lest we forget our, our famous example, Le Meridian Hotel and Norma's restaurant, right? <laughs> yeah, with the thousand dollar omelet. Uh, yeah. and I, I love it because uh, on the menu itself, it says in brackets below the description, we dare you to expense this one or something like that. It's, it's hysterical. I mean, they know their market. Yeah, yeah. We'll put a picture of that. I I found that online. I found found the actual picture of the menu, and it of does. It's a, I think it's I think it's even if it's very personal. Norma dares you to expense this. Is what it says. <laughs> so. Number nine. Number nine is is really uh, I think an interesting one, and that is the fairness effect. Right, and this is—is is it perceived as fair 
by the customer or consumer. So talk a little bit about this one, Ron. Right. Well, Ed, you know, I mean, you brought this up with our guest, Dr. Soul. I mean, fairness is a loaded word, right? And mm-hmm. the opposite is actually foul. You have to go to baseball to <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, to and, understand and, it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just uh, was listening to Rabbi Lappin uh, in his podcast, and he was saying that there's no Hebrew word for fair. Nope. And, you know, his point is if, if, if there's not a Hebrew word for, for it, it's not needed, um, at least when it comes to, you know, understanding human behavior. And so the fairness thing is kind of a slippery thing because it's not hard. It, it's, it's, it's very subjective. It's very difficult to define, uh, as I think the example that Reed Holden, you know, brought up about having to pay $275 to fix his ice maker before a party. Yes. He didn't think it was a fair price. How, however, there is something here going on. You do have to think about this idea of fairness or how it's perceived in the mind of the customer. And the classic example is gas stations that charge a premium for using a credit card. You know, it might be a 10 cent premium. Now, people don't like that because we don't like to pay premiums. There's just something off-putting about it. If the gas stations were to say, we'll give you a 10 cent discount, if you pay cash, we're okay with that. And Ed, even though the prices are the exact same, yeah, it's the yeah. way it's framed that makes all the difference. The, and this is the, the Coke machine that has the thermometer in it that they, you know, they yes. framed completely incorrectly by saying, "Hey, the price of the Coke goes up when it gets hotter out," instead of saying, "No, no, 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 the price goes down when it gets cooler." You know, yeah, <laughs> really just silly. So, and and do you remember when you used to rent cars? And if you brought it back and it needed any gas, they would charge you like twice, sometimes three times. Oh, crazy amount of the market. Money for, yep. Well, they finally figured out that that was just really upsetting people. Mm-hmm. And now they, if you buy, you know, prepay, they will sell you gas below the market level, which is a much smarter strategy because it, 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 it appears more fair to the customer. Yeah. So even though from an economic perspective, you know, we have issues with this word fairness, you do have to think about how, how it's framed and how it's presented to your customer because it, it does influence their buying behavior and their price sensitivity. Correct. Correct. Yeah, the, whole, the fairness word is interesting. I asked somebody in, in a French-speaking audience to translate the word fair, and she said juste, which is just. Right. And I said, okay, well, translate that back. And she said, just, right. So it it didn't even go from one to the other. It was, so it was was just a great example of it. All right. Last and last and not least, the inventory effect. Yeah. This one's inventory effect. Yeah. This one's really easy. Um, you know, if you, if you buy, uh, products that can be stocked and stored, you know, like Coke or whatever, because uh, you have a large pantry or a big refrigerator, um, you, you know, you're probably going to be uh, more price sensitive than if you're just buying a single, you know, item or a six pack or something like that. So depending on if you can inventory the product, you know, is it perishable? And Correct. If it's per- yeah. If it's perishable, you know, you, you're going to be, you're going to be more price sensitive. A modern example of this, before we take our break, is is Amazon Pantry. I don't know if you're aware of that, but Amazon now has a thing where you can subscribe. It, it's a it's a it's a riff on their subscription model, mm. but it's specifically for these types of perishable goods, and, and so, so where where you can get a better price if you're you're on a subscription to them. But they'll they, they'll also you know guarantee freshness, which is really interesting. 
Right, right. Excellent. Well, Ed, we're up against our next break. And folks, uh, as Ed said, we'd like you to go to iTunes. We know many of you listen on demand. We really appreciate that and, and give the show a rating and also a review of our book, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. Shout out to Hector, who uh, provided a, a review on Amazon of the book. So thank you for that, Hector. And uh, now we want to hear from Ed's employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees, a 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise and just a reminder, you can visit us on thesoulofenterprise.com, and we want, we'll post show notes for this show, including on the factors of 10, the 10 factors affecting price sensitivity. Ron, let's wrap this, this, this up by talking about, okay, man, this sounds really complex and complicated. You're asking us to, when we're setting price, to take into account so many different things. And by the way, folks, this is just one of a number of things that we we would suggest that you take into account when setting price. These factors affecting price sensitivity. We did a show on on risk, uh, and we think that that should be something that you take into effect as well. And then there's also even some other questions that we would even ask. And Ron, I think this is a great illustration of why it is that you and I are big believers in centralizing the pricing in your organization. Yeah, absolutely. I, this has to be given over to a group that is is devoted to this topic, is going to study it, experiment with it, and be responsible for it across the entire organization. You know, so many businesses have silos, Ed, and different. You know, each department has their own little P and L, um, which you can thank accountants for largely for perpetuating that. And it's crazy because pricers. Think about the entire customer experience and think about profitability across the entire organization. It's not just each P&L. If we maximize every department's P&L, we'll maximize the whole. A system doesn't work that way. 
And that's why somebody needs to be looking at this across the entire organization. And and I just want to correct one thing you say. I, sh- I want to add good pricers look at this and cross the entire <laughs> organization. There are plenty of pricers, and we've unfortunately encountered some of them who are just, just concerned about their little corner of the world. And that is a huge mistake for an organization to make. It, it really is. I mean, I, and, you know, because we live and play in the professional world, you, you, you see this there. It's probably the most extreme example of it. But not only are they looking at every single job or every single customer that they need to make a profit on and running a P&L. I mean, that's basically what the timesheet is, right? It's a P&L in every, every six minutes. Mm-hmm. and. But it, it, it's absolutely insane to think that you need to make a profit off of every minute that you spend with a customer. It, that's a relationship. That relationship needs to be invested in. It needs to be nurtured. And, and you can't do that looking at clocks. It's so true, and this is this is not a, a new phenomenon, a new idea um, uh, around this. That value really is throughout. The entirety of the experience and the organization, and you know, this is probably, I think, the hardest thing for us to communicate effectively to people who are are uh, considering moving to value pricing. Like I said, especially in a services environment or knowledge environment, because the, the, their their brain is just so locked into the we it, it, did I make money on this job? Did I make money on this job? Right. And uh, and the example that we we've talked about before is Ludwig von Mises had had uh, I guess discovered this or talked about it in one of his books where he says, listen, when you go to a restaurant, you cannot separate the perceived value that you have between the the chef who prepares the food and the janitor who who provides who sweeps the floor because the, the it's part of the entirety of the experience. You would not have the same experience if there was, you know, cockroaches running all over the floor or there was, you know, it was the floor was not clean even if the meal was expertly prepared and vice versa if even if 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 just because the floor is immaculate if the food sucks it's not going to matter right <laughs> and, and 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 what i think the key is is to understand that these two things are inextricably linked to one another that you can't separate out the differences between the two and business people today are have a really hard time with that they they are unaccepting of of that piece of the conversation it's so true ed and the mises point is so profound because i think one of the things that cost accountant cost accounting has foisted onto the business world is this mentality is just because certain activities generate costs, right? That's kind of obvious, but you can't split up value that way. Mm -hmm. And, and, And because we can split up costs that way and assign costs to different activities, we feel the need to do that. And I think that removes us from looking at the entire system. It would be just like the doctor focusing on whatever affliction you have and just focusing on that and ignoring the rest of the body (laughs) he might be causing damage somewhere else by treating this one you know you got to look at it holistically and as a system and if you think about this another great i i think example of of the mises example with the restaurant and the sweeper and the cook is think of lost leaders Mm -hmm. you know if cost accounting ruled the world we'd have no lost leaders (laughs) Because you need to make a profit off that quarter milk. Well, no, the quarter milk is what's driving people to the store. 
So yep. we're willing to take a hit on that to get people in the store to, to buy other things, right? Or to develop a relationship and loyalty and all of that. So this idea that we can atomize everything and break it down, uh, this is one of the reasons why I'm a big believer in centralizing the pricing. And I have to say in, in some of the pricing literature and for quite a while, even at uh, professional pricing society conferences, this was a huge debate. Should it be centralized or should it be decentralized, right? And the argument for the decentralization was, well, you need people that are out there in the field that are closer to the action that can adjust quicker. <laughs> and, and that usually means salesmen. Right. <laughs> Which, who, who suck at pricing because their job is to not price. Their job is to sell stuff. That's exactly right. So I, I have to say I've come down firmly in the camp of, of centralizing this. And, and in, at least in professional service firms, folks, or what we call professional knowledge firms, it, it, it's more a task of taking pricing away from people who suck at it. Including partners in the firm. Absolutely. Well, yeah, they're the worst defenders. Most of them do suck. I'd say two-thirds to three-fourths of the people pricing in professional firms are lousy at it. Yes, and that includes in in my world the actual consultants who are doing the engagement. You know, because they they really have a, a, right now the way that it's done a big effect on price, which is awful. You know, you were talking about systems thinking. It remind me, we have to do a show on systems thinking. And one of the, one of the laws of systems thinking is that cutting an elephant in half does not produce two small elephants. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it produces a a one dead elephant or big mess is really what happens there. <laughs> Syst- I think systems thinking is so critical because you know Peter Drucker talks about a business being an interdependent system, and sometimes parts of that system have to be less efficient to make a f- more effective whole. Well, it's no different with profitability. Sometimes parts of your business need to be unprofitable to be more profitable as a whole. Yes, totally agree with that. So it's got to be holistically viewed. Well, Ron, look, fly by again. Once again, (laughs) we're like done with the show in in almost no time at all. So great stuff. So, hey, what do we got coming up next week? Uh, Free Rider Friday, Ed. All right. I love the Free Rider Friday. We we get to free ride off each other and and certainly your suggestions. So please uh, send us emails at AskTSOE. Uh, and also, or I'm sorry, ask TSOE at verisage.com. Uh, but I guess I'll see you in 167 hours, Ron. Sounds good. This has been the Soul of Enterprise Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, supporting small and medium sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please feel free to visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 